Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and this is our latest vodcast will be on CT of the gallbladder. And this is based on an RSNA exhibit by Pam Johnson et al. And excellent job by Pam. And let's go through some of the information. And there's no doubt that with the use of CT being widespread, gallbladder pathology is often detected incidentally. And in fact, maybe the cause of the patient's symptoms, but right upper quadrant pain can be liver, gallbladder, kidney, stomach, you name it. And CT, of course, is sort of... Uh, easily used for multi-organ examination. And what we're going to do is look at the range of gallbladder pathology as seen by CT using ultrasound and pathologic characterization and correlation. And again, we're going to focus on some of the very specific findings on CT. Now, in terms of technique, if I was doing a dedicated gallbladder study, like I was looking for cancer, I'd be doing a dual-phase study. It's very important to use IV contrast when looking at the gallbladder wall, and surely in the presence of cholecystitis, perfusion changes in the liver indeed can happen. There's no doubt, as I said, if you're doing a dedicated study of the gallbladder, like suspected cancer, staging cancer, following up cancer, then we're doing dual phase imaging. But most of the time, it's a single phase acquisition, which could be from you know, 30 seconds to 70 seconds. Although axial images are the uh, main way of looking at the gallbladder, as we'll show you, l using 2D multiplanar and 3D imaging can be very important as well. And just a very simple example, here's a patient, 49-year-old with xanthogranulomatous cholecystitis. Much more impressive to visualize on the coronal view. Or this other patient with uh, presumed adenomyomatosis of the gallbladder, again, the coronal perspective is particularly helpful. I do find that sagittal obliques or coronal oblique MPRs or just routine coronal MPRs are very useful in getting that interface between the gallbladder and liver scene, also in really laying out the gallbladder so that we can see uh, the entire spectrum of involvement and the entire pattern of the disease process. When we look at the pathology of the gallbladder, we typically talk about inflammatory disease, and everything tends to focus on gallstones. We look at acute cholecystitis. We look at complications of acute cholecystitis, from perforation to gangrene, emphysematous cholecystitis, hemorrhagic cholecystitis. Now, the good news is complications are rare. Most patients develop acute cholecystitis, thickened walls, some fluid around the gallbladder, but the complications become very, very important. We also talk about things like Marizzi syndrome, which can simulate a cancer, can really cause all sorts of issues, and I'll show you an example of that. And then, of course, we'll speak about some of the neoplasms and pathology that mimics tumor in the gallbladder. Again, things like uh, XGP of the gallbladder, metastasis, although rare, can occur, gallbladder cancer, just some of the things we'll talk about. So let's look at cholithiasis. Again, most common stones, one stone, two stones, we can see non-calcified stones. We can see isodense stones. There's no doubt at times small calculi can be overlooked on CT unless they're calcified or have some other uh, change in terms of texture. CT appearances relate to cholesterol more than to calcium content. You can define them as rimmed or dense or laminated or faint. People say up to 26% will not visualize as their isodense to fluid. I think that's a high number, but it does occur, and very nice example, image on the right. Now, with acute calculus cholecystitis, ultrasound is the first line of imaging, but CT is essential for evaluation of complicated cholecystitis. It has a higher sensitivity for looking at complications and is 
absolutely the fastest way of diagnosing many of the complications that will lead to surgery or can lead to higher morbidity and mortality from gangrenous cholecystitis to emphysemous cholecystitis as just two examples. So let's look at a little bit more carefully. Acute cholecystitis, what do we think about from the CT perspective? Gallstones, gallbladder wall thickening, gallbladder distension, fluid near the gallbladder, inflammation around the gallbladder, perfusion changes in the liver adjacent to the gallbladder, high attenuation bowels, bile, subserosal edema, all correlate nicely with the pathology. And there's just simple examples. Image on your left, case on your left, you can see very nicely gallbladder wall thickening, patient in a positive Murphy sign, by the way, on ultrasound, but classic induration edema and stones. Case on your right, gallstones, wall thickening, distension, inflammation around the gallbladder. You can see the inflammation tracks to the hepatic flexure. And in patients with complications, the hepatic flexure can often be involved. In this case, by the time surgery happened, the patient had necrotizing acute cholecystitis. Now, with gangrenous cholecystitis, what you typically will see is air in the wall or lumen of the gallbladder. You can see intraluminal membranes. You may not even visualize part of the wall. There could be lack of enhancement and there's an abscess present. It's unusual, but it's very extensive inflammation. And you can see some of the findings correlate very nicely with ultrasound. Of course, one thing ultrasound has at times is the Murphy sign, but you can see an absent Murphy sign in two thirds of patients with gangrenous cholecystitis. So that can be a problem if that was the sign you were looking for. And here's just a nice example, 51-year-old, abdominal pain. You can look at the gallbladder, the inflammation, the thickening, um, the hyperemia in the adjacent liver, which is why it's so important to have IV contrast. Or this example of perforated acute cholecystitis, you can see the inflammation around the gallbladder, the fluid, lack of definition, small nodes. I think one challenge I do find is with marked inflammation, particularly in older patients, how can you exclude carcinoma? They can occur at the same time. That can be indeed a challenge. Here's a nice example, right upper quadrant pain in a 62-year-old with bacteremia, wall thickening, septations, edema, induration, fluid adjacent to the gallbladder. Uh, again, sometimes patients like this, as in this case, percutaneous drainage is the ideal way of managing the patient in the short term. Emphysemous cholecystitis, uncommon, but it's typically sicker patients, diabetics, for example. It's vascular compromise in the gallbladder wall, secondary superinfection on CT, gas in the gallbladder lumen wall or in the fat adjacent to the gallbladder. There's no fistulization typically. And here's just a very nice example. Now you can see air in the gallbladder in patients uh, who have just had an ERCP or sphincterotomy. But if you see air in the gallbladder and there's inflammation, you better be very careful and be certain you're not missing emphysemous cholecystitis. Now what about hemorrhagic cholecystitis? Very uncommon, predisposing factors, stones, trauma, patients on anticoagulant therapy, renal failure, cirrhosis, even underlying masses are a possibility. Patients have right upper quadrant pain, maybe hemobilia or GI bleeding. It's associated with a very high mortality rate. On CT, high attenuation fluid, sometimes a high hematocrit level, and you may see active extravasation, though very rare, if you give IV contrast.
With hemorrhagic cholecystitis, common bile duct obstruction, and hemoperitoneum can occur. And here's just you know, a couple nice examples. Very unusual. Sometimes we see high-density bile. That can be just the density of the bile. People who have had prior uh, contrast studies in the last 24 hours, if you have borderline renal function, you typically will see a dense gallbladder because you'll have vicarious excretion through the RE cells and you'll see a dense gallbladder. So you want to be very careful. But here, it really looks in both cases like hemorrhage. Very nice example. What else? Marizzi syndrome is something that's uncommon, but it's a critical diagnosis. It's obstruction of the common hepatic duct by an inflamed gallbladder with stones. The key thing is you can misdiagnose it. Uh, the intrahepatic biliary dilatation above stone in the cystic duct is shown nicely in this example. The distal common duct is normal. Again, you want to be very careful. A critical thing is that you have this fistula secondary to stone eroding into the common bile duct, which may not be visualized. I've seen it confused with tumor, so it's a very, very important diagnosis. The anthrogranulomas cholecystitis, it's chronic cholecystitis, usually with cholothiasis. One challenge in terms of imaging, gallbladder wall uh, thickening, you're thinking about gallbladder cancer, particularly when it's in older patients. You can see mucosal ulcerations, a very prominent inflammatory process shown nicely on that path slide. From a CT appearance, marked wall thickening, often denser wall. You may see a hypodense mural band, colothiasis, and even may see what looks like a gallbladder mass. Now, I think with some of the, these marked inflammatory processes, as I mentioned, in older patients, it's often hard to exclude gallbladder cancer. Gallbladder cancer at times is picked up incidentally. The patient has a cholecystectomy. Pathologist finds a small polyp and it's malignant. Sometimes patients present with right upper quadrant pain. They present with jaundice, thinking pancreatic cancer, thinking cholangiocarcinoma, and it's gallbladder cancer. Many of these are aggressive, invade the liver. Resection is the only real cure. Chemotherapy does not work very well. There's a range of appearances. You may see tumor-filled gallbladder lumen. You may see a polypoid mass. You may see focal diffuse wall thickening. You may see a mass replacing the entire gallbladder, and you really don't visualize the gallbladder. You have diffuse infiltration into the liver. CT is accurate, particularly with dual-phase imaging, especially when you use some of the post-processing. And here's just a good example. Polypoid lesion in the gallbladder on CT. Could it be an inflammatory polyp? The answer is yes, but when you see this, you got to be thinking carcinoma, case on your, on your right, marked wall thickening. There's um, no ifs, ands, or buts. With that much wall thickening, you better mention the possibility of gallbladder cancer. One important reason is if you're thinking gallbladder cancer, you don't want to remove the gallbladder with laparoscopic surgery. You want to do it with an open procedure so you can sample many more of the nodes. Now, another case. Here's an adenoma of the gallbladder. It's an intraluminal mass. It had moderate dysplasia. You can see very nicely, could look like a polypoid carcinoma. If the gallbladder is contracted, it's very easy to miss a process like this. Here's a case, uh, a little bit better shown in the MR, of an adenomyoma. Again, an unusual gallbladder tumor, often associated with chronic cholecystitis. Or this case of XGP, polypoid lesion also seen within the gallbladder. You can see that we can describe the polyp, but we can't say malignant versus non-malignant. So again, this patient will get this resected. 
Occasionally, you can have metastasis, very rare. Here's metastatic uh, melanoma. Again, very, very rare to get metastasis uh, to the gallbladder, but it does occur. Now, in terms of gallbladder wall thickening, depending where the uh, tumor is, the appearances will vary. Here's a nice example. Almost looks like an apple core lesion in the gallbladder, very classic. Nodes, portal cable space, peripancreatic space, depending where the gallbladder is situated and how the tumor spreads. Common and intrahepatic duct obstruction is very common. But again, here's an example of XGP. Focal wall thickening can be seen with carcinoma or with cancer. Diffuse wall thickening. Here's a case of you know, bulky infiltration lack of tissue planes around the gallbladder, markedly delicate intrahepatic ducts. This is easy. This is obvious cancer. No problem. Or this case, you really lose the gallbladder interface to the liver. This could be a liver tumor. Usually they're read as hepatomas or cholangiocarcinomas. If the patient has not had the gallbladder removed and you can't find it, you better be thinking about an invasive gallbladder cancer. This is typically in older patients. This patient was 77. Marked wall thickening, local invasion, nodes common, a very aggressive tumor, very poor prognosis. Secondary findings, I mentioned the larger tumors, local invasion, liver, duodenum, even the uh, colon at the level of the hepatic flexure, biliary dilatation is common, and nodes are particularly common. When disease spreads, ascites is also seen. In terms of resectability, local vascular invasion, portal vein or hepatic artery will make someone unresectable. Right and left hepatic artery or portal vein within the liver will make you unresectable. Uh, both lobes being involved, and again, extra uh, uh, hepatic spread will also typically make you unresectable. And here's just a nice example. Dilated ducts, bulky tumor in the port of hepatis. Sometimes it simulates pancreatic cancer but it's really extra pancreatic. You look at the gallbladder, diffuse wall thickening, classic carcinoma. And this example, if you see a gallbladder, thickened wall and a stone, I saw a case like that this morning, you gotta make certain you exclude gallbladder cancer. Here, of course, we can see diffuse infiltration. When you look at the coronal view, there's involvement of the right kidney, very extensive tumor growing beyond the gallbladder, through the liver, and into the local area. So again, a very, very important diagnosis. Another example, metastasis to liver, uh, mesenteric implants. Again, large, marked distension, bulky tumor, grows through the wall of the gallbladder, and then implants and carcinomatosis are not going to be uncommon. I mentioned nodes, and here's just one more example. Portal cable nodes, peripancreatic nodes, hilum of the liver, very much distribution of cholangiocarcinoma, can simulate, as I mentioned, pancreatic cancer. But again, when you look at the entire picture, look at the gallbladder, look at the nodes, you can make a diagnosis. I think people often will make a misdiagnosis. They'll call things pancreatic cancer when it's not. It's gallbladder cancer that will impact surgical management. So some conclusions. Although ultrasound's the first study when you think about imaging the gallbladder and acute cholecystitis, CT provides detailed characterization of gallbladder inflammation, particularly in complicated cases. Gallbladder cancer has a wide range of appearances, which can be mimicked by xanthogranulomas, cholecystitis, benign neoplasms, as well as metastatic disease. 
Axial images are typically alone, not enough. Multiplanar reconstructions and even 3D imaging can be helpful in the more complicated cases, particularly when you're suspicious for malignancy. For simple acute cholecystitis, probably not as helpful, but sometimes defining local extension and visualization can be helpful. So with that, I'll stop and thank you very much for your attention.